0: good morning and welcome back to meet you at the bottom a conversation podcast where we get to the bottom of top of mind topics with a drink in hand of course today's a special birthday episode no not my birthday although it's coming up it's in march for those of you listeners who are uh, getting me gifts but it's the birthday of my guest on today's pod graham Gawthorne instead of the last few episodes where we delve into a certain topic. Today, Graham and I just discussed his life. He grew up in Oakland, moved to Champaign-Urbana for university, and then moved back to the Bay Area. Uh, We actually filmed this episode back in August when I moved out to San Francisco for a couple weeks. Uh, It was a really fun conversation. We had a lot of beers, and his dog, Sammy, was very interested in all all over the episode as well. Those of you that know Graham, know well that he barely says two or three words at a time so the fact that we spoke for 37 minutes speaks to either the amount of pacificos we had or how much there is to know about graham's life that most people don't know so i hope you enjoyed the episode and feel free to shoot him a message or a phone call uh for his birthday happy birthday graham thanks everyone and we're here with graham gawthorne Uh, One of my closest friends that I've known for over eight years. Uh, We're going to learn a little bit about his life, world of startups, and one of his hobbies that, in my mind, is one of the most expensive hobbies in the world, cycling. Pleasure to be here. Why don't we uh, start out, you know, since this is a a show about topics, you know, while we're having cocktails and drinks, what are you drinking right now? Got a nice uh,
1: crispy Pacifico. Perfect.
0: Cheers. We'll appreciate it. We're in uh, Graham's apartment here in San Francisco, uh, California, where it's actually not as sunny as people say. It gets pretty cold and chilly in the nighttime. So Graham, why don't you start by, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I grew up up in the Bay Area, grew up in Oakland, Um, born and raised there. Um, How was that? Grew up in... I mean, there's, there, I'd say there's a wide spectrum of growing up in Oakland, so to speak. Like, oh, yeah. um, they're obviously what Oakland's most known for, like, across the country, which is, it's like, a dangerous city, but there are plenty of um, nice areas of Oakland. Um, I mean, Oakland's, Oakland's getting gentrified a ton. Um, it's kind of like what San Francisco was a few years back, but it's even... Changing a ton of people are getting priced out of their houses, stuff like that. So it's interesting dynamic
0: of. And, and when I first met you, I'll never forget. You were just like the lax bro with curly hair, some weird hat.
1: Not what Oakland's known Not, for. Not
0: yeah, and that was going to be my question. Uh, how did that even come about? And you know, where did you? When did you become a lax bro? And how did you become a cyclist? I mean, what's going
1: on? So I was, I was probably yeah, I was probably probably played lacrosse before cycling, but um, was first introduced. To lacrosse by my good friend's dad um who got us on a lacrosse team in Berkeley nearby Oakland um when we were in middle school got it and so started playing lacrosse played in <clears throat> high school um I went to private school through throughout high school and we had a team my freshman year and then the team didn't have enough people sophomore year and beyond so i played for an oakland public school the next few years so um which was an interesting dynamic in itself like a very Mm -hmm. traditionally like more i don't know elitist predominantly white people playing lacrosse um at an oakland public school was like that was one of my most favorite times because it was people who like weren't from the same socioeconomic background as me um didn't have the same perspectives as like a lot of the kids I did growing up and going to school with um and playing lacrosse with them and right. having that kind of different environment was, was a lot of fun
0: yeah yeah I guess lacrosse kind of especially nationally it has like that rep of you know it is a it's a rich person white man sport um which obviously when you know when we went to University of Illinois multiple people you know people of different races played lacrosse but it is interesting to kind of hear hear about it growing up in, in Oakland and everything like that
1: yeah I mean, it was similar very similar to like playing lacrosse in college where we had um one black person on a team um and then playing it for with I played with Oakland Tech uh one of the public schools in Oakland and like we I, I mean there was definitely like racial issues surface, like playing lacrosse being a very like white mm-hmm. elitist sport where um like people would say racial slurs to some of my teammates and it would, like obviously caused like some issues but that was like very much so um right. was an issue that that like people on my team faced and um that I was confronted with there where it was like kind of things the 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 main sentiment of lacrosse being like elitist kind of held true yeah. to there which is unfortunately but
0: Got it, got it. Well, no, I appreciate that insight. Um, as someone who grew up in central Illinois, very different. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say I played football and basketball. I was on the team. Didn't really put much uh, production <laughs> out starting? there. Yeah, I, I dropped a touchdown my um, junior good. year once. But shifting uh, gears here to college, I mean, people that still ask you, like, how the hell did you end up in Champaign, Illinois, the University of Illinois, College of Business, Geese College of Business? Geese. Obviously you met the love of your life there, so it worked out and you met me, so more importantly, so it worked out well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's always interesting to like explain to people why I went to Illinois growing up in the Bay Area, moving back to the Bay Area. Um for me, like kind of as I mentioned, going to a small private school in Oakland my whole life, it was a very like and I'm I'm like just an introverted person in general, so for yeah. me I was always like well within my comfort zone um, growing up through like elementary school, high school. Um, So for me, it was like I knew I wanted to get an experience at a big school, um, was interested in business. But the biggest thing for me was kind of like pushing myself outside of my comfort zone because I think not only at my like small private school, which had like 100 kids in our graduating class, like the track there was to go to also a small liberal arts school somewhere which like didn't appeal to me at all um and i think going to going to illinois um in the business school it was like night and day because i showed up and didn't know anyone yeah like literally didn't know no one from my school had Gone there for the last i don't know how many years um so it was definitely like a change of scenery change of environment that had to make new connections and not i couldn't rely on really like any any, like, mm-hmm. legacy connections I might might have had with people before.
0: Yeah, and, and we can delve into this a little bit when we talk about, you know, your work and stuff, but I think I've always admired that about about you going out into different comfort zones, and, um, you know, and you're in startups now, and obviously champagne is a big change of scenery from the Bay Area, and there's not really water or anything around. The winter times, I remember, you hated. Yeah. Um, but there were some good moments, too, and, and I guess, you know, when you're talking to folks, Or, you know, alumni from your high school or people reach out and, you know, what would kind of your couple takeaways of going to school in the middle of nowhere in in the Midwest?
1: Yeah, I think like just as ready as I was going to Illinois, just as ready as I was to move back to the Bay Area longer term, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have changed that experience in any way. So I think it's kind of having a long term view on things where like I really I highly value that experience I had and the connections I made like with you, plenty of other folks. Um, I think, like, Midwest people in general are very genuine, nice, hard-working people. Um, like, great people to be around for four years and make connections with beyond that. Um, I think it's, it's kind of about getting that different experience and having a different perspective. Um, because I know if I had stayed in California and gone to liberal arts school here or wh- wherever, um... I would have lacked a lot of the experiences I was able to have at Illinois. And I think like but having the longer term view of, okay, even if even if you wanna be somewhere eventually like I knew I wanted to stay in California probably, um, having that long term view of like it's still important to have other experiences and experiences outside of that that are different. Um, I think that was kind of the biggest thing for me.
0: Got it. No, that that makes perfect sense. And I think it's always good to get that other perspective in there when you know, the grand scheme of life and the grand game of life. Um, and then post-college, so you decided to come back and, and I remember, you know, you interned in Chicago, but, you know, really wanted to come back here and, and kind of worked out well. So you want to talk about a little bit about that and and your thought process behind that?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, my goal was actually to never spend a, I was happy to spend a summer in Chicago, summer in Uh, Chicago. let's go back. Never spend, like never (laughs) spend a winter in Chicago was my goal. Yeah, but you spent it in champagne. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty bad, too. <laughs> yeah, I know, late for a win, but. But then you're just at the bar and you don't have to go to class yeah. and you don't feel like it. It's should should we
0: make any plugs to our bars and champagne?
1: <laughs> just free advertising here. Yeah, free advertising. Shout out Red Line, even though I know it's a lot different now. Yeah. We could, we could edit that if you're not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I think. For me, I knew probably, like, sophomore year, I wanted to come back to the Bay Area, yeah. come back to San Francisco for sure. It was always, like, kind of an open question. I didn't have fully formulated opinion on that, like, fresh, as early as freshman year. But I think sophomore year, I was kind of like, okay, fuck this. I'll yeah. move back. Yeah. Um, and I was just kind of focused on that. But, I, yeah, I spent two summers two summers in Chicago, um, which I enjoyed a ton, too, because it was great to get that experience. Um Chicago in the summer is a lot of fun, and it was with it was basically college, but um, right. an actual city, not but, Champagne. Yeah, <laughs> um, and
0: especially if you had some money from an internship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere nice. Yeah, and,
1: exactly. And you have like no, yeah. no real responsibilities. Like you don't really have a job yet. You don't really understand. Like, you just gotta show up, <laughs> show up by nine o'clock, yeah, and yeah,
0: five days a week, and you call
1: the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for my internship junior the original offer they sent me was for san francisco but Got i it. interviewed for the chicago office oh i didn't know that okay yeah yeah and i oh. think it was an, i think it was just an error because then they resent it but HR i error. always wonder if i just signed it and just said no i'm going to san francisco i mean knowing you did you actually read the offer probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably just made sure your name was on it. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah exactly, yeah exactly. yeah graham reese well i introduced you as graham Gothorn. And this was, I was going to first ask this, but we deviated. When, did, when and why did you drop the Reese? When and why? You're known as GRG,
1: lax boy from Cali in Champaign. It's true. Some people, some people know me as GRG. Some know me as, some don't even know my full last name is Reese Gothorn.
0: Um, Interesting. Yeah. Like home, home friends from Oakland or folks like in the work, working world?
1: Professional, professional yeah, folks. professional like life and on. Um, Full, full and legal last name is Reese Gawthorne. but having a hyphenated last name, especially when the first part of the hyphenated last name is also a first name, is just painful and confusing in general. Interesting.
0: So you're not, for the record, you're not taking a stance against hyphenated last names. Just want to get that on the record here. To the, <laughs> so hun- the hun-
1: hundreds of viewers that are um, listening in. Yeah. I thought it was thousands. You're thousands. Um, it's on the cusp. I, my kids will not have a hyphenated last name. Got it. Got it. Is my is my stance
0: there? Um, Will your kids have your uh, Indi- <laughs> Indian's girlfriend's last name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yep. that would be nice for, yep. for my end. Too.
1: Yeah, grow the traditional. Yeah, route. yeah, exactly. More, you know, more
0: Indian last names the better. Yeah. that's my stance. Um, anyway, so yeah, we had, we had a good. Uh, and full disclaimer: I lived with Graham, Jr. in a penthouse in Chinatown that cost the same oh, as a garden unit. Really small garden unit in Lincoln Park, uh, but it was great good experience. Uh, then we had a hell of a senior year and then came back to the Bay area and um, you went into investment banking at William Blair obviously a great experience, but going back to you going out of your comfort zone, um, you know that maybe nowadays is kind of a traditional route. People work hard you know two or three years and get out. Um, you kind of left after one year and took the leap of faith into startups and I remember getting that call from you and you're like, hey, got a new job. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> Here we are, four and a half years later. Yeah, I still yeah, have to... this. There. Yeah. There you go. So uh, clearly, I don't uh, get out of my comfort zone as much as you. So, would love to gain some insight on what you were thinking about. You obviously didn't go into private equity or hedge funds or corporate development, so to speak, um, but you went into more of a startup role, smaller company.
1: Yeah, I think we were. Um... Part of the same like investment banking program yeah. in in college, and um, I remember like the faculty director would always tell me that not always, but she, she was like always very skeptical yeah. of me because she's like, I know you don't want to do this. And I was like, Yeah, I definitely want to do this. <laughs> and I very early on knew I didn't want to do this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was there for like a year and a half. Um, But knew like almost instantly that I didn't want to continue on and for me like private equity hedge funds seemed like more of the same right um it's obviously different and I've never done it so I can't speak to it fully but to me that was like I guess more of the same thing that I wasn't interested in um and I wanted to get more like operational experience to going to a startup or tech company was what I was more interested in doing and like having the having the kind of like financial analytical framework and applying that to an operational role, um, was, was what kind of interested me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went to a, it was like, series, it was a series D at the time Got and then it. I was there for the series. You conference. gotta, you gotta
0: explain to folks like me who don't know, <laughs> well, I know ABCDEFG in the alphabet, but maybe a quick, uh, blurb on how, how funding works for, for these types of companies.
1: Yeah, so um, there's various stages of like startups and then kind of transitioning to yeah. I don't know when you stop calling a company a startup and it's just a tech company, but could um, be a, a unicorn. Like, yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's the it's a sexy, sexy <laughs> term in twenty twenty. But anywhere from like a pre seed investment round, which would be like friends and family, um, and really, really early stage investors to um, like Series A through I mean name yeah. the letter of the alphabet it goes through that. Um but a lot of companies will either like IPO or get acquired post like, I don't know, Series D right. E ish. It, it can vary, but um so the more the further down the alphabet in letters mm-hmm. the company is, the more capital they've raised in theory.
0: Got it. So you you went series D, so relatively I don't know on the scale of riskiness, risk risk averse company or is it still there was still a lot of risk associated with it and it could
1: flop any day. Yeah, so it wasn't to the point where it could, it was like an unknown company could like flop any day, no name brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew coming out of banking, I always wanted to go like a really small early stage company. But from talking to people who had made a similar transition to me from like banking or private equity to startups, um, pretty consistent feedback was to, kind of get some initial operational experience at a company yeah. that's a little bit more established and secure um, and then make that transition later on because going to any early stage startup is always, is always a pretty big gamble regardless yeah. of like who the investors might be because like startup investors, um, for venture capital investors, like if one of their 10 portfolio companies does really well, like that can make the fun for them. So it's, there are plenty of companies that don't do well and fail Um, and you, you don't really know, I mean, there's, there, there's never really any guarantees, but you don't really have a clear picture until you're kind of there. Got it. Along the interview process, you're kind of still being sold.
0: I, I guess like one of these questions, it just seems like a, I don't know if the phrase is black box or whatever the phrase is. Um, they're just out there. Like, How do you even go about finding or like narrowing down types of companies that you want to look for maybe that are, you know, more established or like, how do where do you start on LinkedIn? Googling around, your own network, like, how, how does that even process start?
1: Yeah, I think a, a lot of it's through, a lot of it's through who you know. Um, Got it. So, making those connections with people and maintaining those connections with people, I think, um, I think you're really good at, like, having those connections, making those connections. I think that was something that I undervalued at first and realized more and more how important that is. Got it. So, you're basically saying your success <laughs> and connections is allocated to me. I'll take another Pacifico. Which, that's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's the sound clip. Um No, but I think like part of it's just I I've had it happen either like my first job I got through someone I was pretty close with who was my mentor um like helped me out um mm-hmm. and made that connection. The second one was through like just applying to a job on LinkedIn, which yeah, which you I are in the industry, or yeah, 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 it's yeah. Just easier. Right, right. Um, but it, but I, I think what I learned about startups and applying to different startups is the hiring process that like every company will be totally different, mm-hmm. and most of the time it's like broken in some fashion. So it's always kind of just a numbers game, and yeah regardless of how perfect you think you are for a role, it might not work out. Or um, on the flip side, it could, it could randomly work out when you just apply to a job on LinkedIn. Which... Yeah. And
0: on that note, it's kind of like most of our audience are, you know, in, you know, pick for accounting or consultants and or bankers or, you know, in marketing business degree backgrounds where there's a lot more structure in interviews when they got their first or second jobs. So how did you go about kind of switching that? You know, maybe it's less technical and maybe it's just talking about, you know, your weaknesses or your, your just, you know, it's, it seems like it's a different interview process almost, certain types of questions. Maybe it's not. I don't know. That could be, a, that's a follow-up question, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say it depends on the role, depends on the company and stage, whatnot. Because um, I've had, I've had interviews that are like kind of purely behavioral, not purely behavioral, but behavioral and like some technical questions here and there. Yeah. Um, and then I've had, like, multiple case studies, um, stuff like that. Um, I think for the vast majority of, of, like, if you're calling, we're calling, like, startups, there, there won't be as many people with a similar background to you. Um, a lot of tech startups, at least, are, you know, a lot of engineers, product people, designers um, early on and fewer finance slash business people. Got it. Um, so, like, the teams that I've worked on, first team was it, it was just me and my boss basically and then we hired um someone else um kind of a year out and then the other team was me and me and my boss and then we hired two more people so nice. people, the people with a business background is much more limited than right um than at like a big four or an investment bank where everyone has like a very similar background to you yeah. and it's more likely to be like technical in that sense Got it. um That's gonna be
0: cool though, because you're you're learning from other people with you know different backgrounds and gaining more perspective.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest like surprise was um, coming from a business background, business finance background, and being one of the few people with that sort of background. Mm -hmm. How uh, valued like your your perspective can be because other people don't have the same training, same experience. Um, So that's definitely different, and then also being around so many like product engineering people, you're able to be exposed to Got a, it. Lot of, a lot of different things in that sense. That's cool. That's cool.
0: And, you know, obviously um, a question that I've always thought about with startups is, you know, believing in it, you know, you didn't come up with the company or the, or the vision or the even the business model um, yet you're, you're working. I don't know if it's long hours, but you are working a lot of hours and, and trying to implement that and make it big. And how much of that matters, you know, when we're in our young, you know, mid twenties, late twenties stage of really believing in the founder or the founder's vision, and how much of that doesn't matter, and how much do you actually look into that when you're when you were looking at your jobs?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think the people in general matter the most. Um, Cause I think you can have like what sounds like a great idea, um, but then it's not executed well and. Like there, there are just so many variables leading up from when a company started to when it IPOs or gets acquired or whatever. Um, there are just so many variables along the road that can um, hinder the success or spur the success of it um, that I think the people really matter. So I think most importantly, like whoever your direct boss is gonna be is super important, which I came to learn um, over time is like, them carrying in your development is, is, is yeah. super important. Um obviously you want the company to be successful and you want to be interested and believe in the product. Right. But that's kind of almost secondary. Um but I think I, I mean I think the, the people aspect, both your manager but then also like the founders and whoever whoever else it might be is is super important.
0: Got it. No that, that makes perfect sense and almost true for, you know, all jobs, but probably amplified in a smaller environment with less people. Um, on that, on that note too, is it hierarchical? Hierarchical? If that's how you pronounce that word.
1: <laughs> um. Or not really. Yes and no. Like, depending on the size of the company, the stage of the company. Um, I first the company I'm at right now. I joined when they were like thirty five people, and they're like ninety or so now. And I've oh been, wow! I've been there for. Just under a year. Nice. So it's grown, it's That's grown pretty cool. quite a bit. But I can definitely see the hierarchical, whatever you're calling it, uh, shift over time in terms of how much they value managers and, um, or the structure rather, like managers, leadership, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but you're number 35 employee, so that doesn't <laughs> apply to you then. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, send that to my founder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's listening in because I, <laughs> yeah, fr- I want some free gear still waiting for my hat and shirt Doesn't and stuff yeah um and, and interesting well we deviate here um i gotta ask because i like hbo and i like to show a lot love silicon valley <laughs> i mean is that is that even remotely i mean obviously every situation is different but like to your situation i mean remotely close do you have a table ten- table tennis table dogs allowed stuff like that
1: free alcohol Dogs allowed. Um, my old job had a ping pong table. I guess my new one does right now, but we're we haven't been in the office for a while. So yeah. I almost how how come?
0: Something something going on in the world right now. Yeah.
1: Some. So I think so. But. Yeah. I think people are just um, are transitioning more to work from home. So Got it. It's, uh, just you know, it's California. It's yeah, different. Yeah, California. Different out here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but I haven't watched Silicon Valley for a little while, but I remember. When I was watching that, um, going to work the next day, talking to my coworkers about it, mm-hmm. saying like, holy shit, this is the same thing. Oh, that's awesome. There would be some things that would happen in my company that, the, like, some of the most outrageous things that you'd like, this yeah. is, is an episode of Silicon Valley right now. Um, so definitely see some of that. Obviously, some of it's like... It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I can't say the same about investment banking. <laughs>
0: But we have we we have a putting green. We throw the football around. We'll have some drinks in the office. Um, interesting. Well, and and then I want to like delve a little bit into this lifestyle because I feel like you've always valued that ever since I've known you, even freshman year of college. And one, you I mean how how have you maintained that or slash? Is it is that something that drives some of your career decisions and, or just life decisions?
1: Yeah, I think part of leaving banking was. One, I wasn't really that interested in the, the work itself, but then two was also, having, you, know, you know,
0: like, uh, yeah. just putting together research for and printing stuff out for senior bankers and yeah. taking notes and Love you know, taking all that. Notes,
1: yeah. But unfortunately it didn't do it for me enough. <laughs> um, no, I mean like, I mean a lot of finance, my, my I guess one of my big issues with finance is people who say they're like really passionate about it and it's like no you you're just passionate about making money yeah. which is fine but then like don't say you're passionate about like doing this shitty job
0: yeah we have a lot of we have a lot of mutual friends that say they're passionate <laughs> about
1: finance but they'll take the paycheck any day yeah yeah um, but which is true i mean it's still that's still true with any job but i think you right. can be more passionate about certain jobs um, but hey maybe there are people that this, really love this is great Only like 15 minutes in and only one beer down and we're getting some, (laughs) some hard hitting uh, opinion here. Um, no, but I think like lifestyle has always been important to me. Mm -hmm. So part of it was, I'm not willing to, um, like sacrifice my lifestyle just to make more, just to make more money. And with startups, like there's still like the equity component where, yeah. Um, that's, where not not like the bulk of the compensation is, but like a sizable chunk and and that's where the, the most of the uncertainty is, is like <laughs> is this equity that I'm being granted, which most startups do, um, for their employees, is this is this equity gonna be worth something right. in a few years or ten years, whatever it might be. Or is it nothing. Or you're leaving or, money off the table or Yeah, or yeah. you exercise or you exercise it in company goes bankrupt. Luckily that hasn't happened to me, yeah. but um, I mean, that, that I definitely s- do I still happen. get the swag? Like, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. All exactly. right, Good, good. Exactly, part of the bankruptcy process. Yeah,
0: I'm like a debt holder at the top of
1: the cap <laughs> cap structure with my swag request. <laughs> um, no, but like lifestyle has always been important to me. So it's kind of, for me. It's been like a balance of yeah. doing something um, that I'm interested in and like working for a company I believe in, and then also like balancing that with with like my own lifestyle. Got it.
0: And I, yeah, and I feel like, I mean, it's definitely easier said than done, but I feel like that mentality, especially, you know, folks with a business degree background, kind of in your, you know, four or five years out, people don't really think that way until maybe 10, 15 years out, or they just never think that way and kind of just make sacrifices down the line, whether it's your kids' baseball game or a lax, lax game <laughs> in your case or, uh, you know, or a trip or something like that. So it is, it's really refreshing to kind of, from my perspective, to get an opinion like that and see how you, you made decisions along the way. On um, that note, I mean, I think one of the biggest things we have to talk about, it, your, speaking of lifestyle, you're, you're cycling. You're just, when, when cycling comes up, you're like the first guy I think of, and Lance Armstrong. <laughs> and with, so I don't know if you're doping yet or not, but... Am I second to Lance, or is Lance second to me? No one is better than Lance. <laughs> <laughs> he made that very clear. Yeah, I did in the documentary. Yeah. Uh I mean where did this come from? And obviously the lifestyle here in terms of weather and hills and just outdoor in California, you know, helps with that. You you can still I know a lot of people that bike in central Illinois. Um but yeah. it's just a little bit different out here. Uh so you know, I love the how did that even happen? Where did it come from? And you know, you're pretty good.
1: <laughs> um my dad was my dad used to do triathlon, so he had a, like, I don't know, 1970s, 1980s, probably 1980s, road bike Got that it. that I inherited, um, I think it was sometime in middle school, and then started riding that, like, big steel frame bike with, road bike with, like, shifters on the frame and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, started riding that bike, and then eventually bought, like, a more modern day road bike, and just had, like, kind of fallen in love with it, throughout high school. Um, but then yeah, really started biking more after college. Um not not as much in banking, but more so after after that, because the bear is like awesome for road biking, awesome for biking in general. Um, but for me I think like, I talked to a coworker about it recently, about like my interest in cycling. Um, and he is he's really into meditation. Mm-hmm. Um and I think he explained to me best where it like, it's a form of active meditation for me where I'm able to kind of, you're like obviously exerting a lot of physical energy and whatnot, but yeah. um, you're not really thinking about much else. and um, Are
0: you listening to anything or not at all?
1: I'll listen to music sometimes. Got it. Or if I go on a ride with someone, just like talking to them yeah. or whatever. Um, sometimes nothing and um, just not listening to music. But uh, most of the time... Most of time i listening to some music, but I think a lot of it is biking more than like a sport and an other endurance sport, like running, you have to pay attention so much more because obviously you're moving faster and whatnot. So yeah. stakes are a bit, a bit higher. Um, so it kind of for, fo- forces you to only focus on Got it. what you're doing in the moment. That makes sense. I mean, have you, you,
0: hopefully you haven't gotten into a crash? Have you gotten into a crash before?
1: I actually haven't, um, fortunately enough been biking since yeah sometime in middle school um the only nice. people that have crashed my bike are my dad uh crashed my new bike when so I was, when I was in this is a touchy subject i mean yeah, it's,
0: it's like a bike is equivalent is to a baby yeah like yeah. i mean cyclists are psychos about their bikes
1: yeah yeah um yeah no i've seen like I've seen bikes get like split in half from people crashing stuff like that, um, and seen some pretty gnarly crashes. But luckily, yeah, I've never. experienced yeah, let keep a thing. it. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I guess, say if I, tomorrow I want to get up and become a cyclist, what do I do? Where do I go? What's what is you know you read about these really expensive bikes? Like what's a start? What's like my starter package? Where do I even get the outfit from? Can't find that. I shop <laughs> at Walmart and Coles, Is that going to be there?
1: I'll probably do it. No, I think, I think like starting out and I think like for me, it was just kind of whatever I had available. So riding my dad's old bike from mm-hmm. 23 years ago, um, like spurred my love of cycling. Like obviously not everyone's going to start biking and love it. Um, but I think similar to lacrosse, like such an elitist, like expensive sport, it doesn't need to be that way Yeah. for you to enjoy yourself. Um, how do you change that, I guess? Or can you? It's more of a perception issue? No, I think, like, initially... I mean, I'm not going to say it's not an expensive sport because it's a very expensive sport. It, or it can be, rather. I think there's there are also plenty of people who, you know, find a bike off Craigslist that's, like, either a road bike or maybe even not a road bike for a few huh. hundred bucks and have an awesome time on there for, for years. And I think part of my enjoyment of the sport is... Um, once you have all the equipment, it's kind of, um, what you can make it what you want it to be. Like you're not going golfing. You're not playing. Like- <laughs> I love this. I love this. Your dog, Sammy,
0: just loves, he loves hearing you about cycling. Here. Yeah. He's, he's a, big can I get, can I get him a guy. beer or not? Oh, Probably yeah, yeah. not. Yeah. He's, we, he, we he's have a, almost old enough. we have a special guest here. Yeah. I guess this is not a bad time. Probably the, <laughs> the best, uh, best thing that happened in COVID-19
1: was, you and your girlfriend got a uh, puppy. Yeah, yeah, we got a cute little puppy that's a Named, pain in the ass, but also yeah. a lot of fun. He's he's a cute little guy.
0: Named after Sammy Sosa, right? Oh, of course. Oh okay. Famous. That's not true, guys, but <laughs> I, as a Cubs fan, I'd like to think yeah, so. Yeah. Um that's funny. And yeah, I guess the cycling things always fascinates me. Um and I and I know one of our close friends and her roommates just became, a, you know, a cyclist and just got, in, got into it. But do people reach out to you? And, like, because I think our friends group, you're, like, the person. And and I think it's one of those, you, when you're not exposed to it, especially growing up in Illinois, yeah. it's just something you don't think you can do. And yeah. I think it's fairly easy to go and get on a bike and go, you know, across the Golden Gate Bridge or somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's my biggest claim to fame is converting people to cyclists. who <laughs> Midwest people who move out to San Francisco converted convert them to cyclists.
0: Oh, well, let's, it a, let's get a ratio here. How many people have moved out and how many people have become cyclists? That's
1: a good question. Uh, Is
0: it above 10%? Oh, yeah. Oh. I think so. Didn't give you enough respect here.
1: Yeah, I'd say... I'm working on it, but maybe a third or so. That's pretty solid. Um, That's pretty solid. But I think people will text me out of the blue about cycling more than anything else. Like that'll be the most commonly just asked about thing yeah. from a random text, random number. I don't know. Someone say, Hey, I'm thinking about getting a bike or thinking about whatever. Classic. Like, what do you think? And, then, and then you no tell idea. them,
0: you tell them, Hey, this is podcast. Meet you at the bottom that you'll know all the answers. You're just send them my way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure COVID-19 has been a blessing for, you know, you to get out there and, actively
1: meditate as you say (laughs) um but still paying attention because you just told me yeah oh yeah yeah, of course um no i'll try to like bike a few times during the week for like short rides and then go on like a longer ride over the weekend um what's the
0: furthest you've ever gone
1: furthest i've ever gone um 130 or 125 or 130 miles one one day um it's a long time. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I guess that was during quarantine during during COVID. So. Yeah. Um, that was the longest, but yeah, going for like a longer ride during the weekend is nice. Um, because I think on biking you can just like see so many different things. You can see and experience so many different things. Um, so love like going over to Marin, wherever. Um, and if I'm able to, when I'm going on a vacation of some kind of like bringing my bike going for a bike ride right around there because i think it's just like a really cool way to see um see the local sites see the scenery yeah Lots
0: lot to see around here i went to monterey yesterday big little lies shout out to big little lies it's a beautiful area <laughs> um no this is uh this has been great and and you know this is uh i wouldn't want my first interview with someone uh someone else than you so this has been really fun and and now you're like people think you're you're like a silicon valley ceo right here just <laughs> asking about your life your hobbies um well once again appreciate appreciate the time the pacificos were great so thanks for that what's what's our next drink when we go offline here what are we doing
1: Ooh, maybe some rose. rose-, rose- I, oh, yeah. that,
0: that's perfect well <laughs> well uh thanks again for the time and uh you know we'll uh, we'll get your name out there for you after this
1: yeah pleasure being here today avnav thank you
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation and happy hour drink session with my good buddy Graham Gawthorne. Graham, I hope you have a great birthday and Anika, I hope you're treating him well. If you're not, I'm sure you'll hear it from uh, many, many different people. And on the podcast front, we have a good lineup of episodes uh, coming up in the next few weeks. And especially with the election around the corner, I'm sure there's a lot to discuss. I'm sure you all are discussing as well. So if Anybody wants to be on the podcast or any topics you have in mind, feel free to shoot me a note. And I really appreciate all of you tuning in each week. Until next week, meet you at the bottom.